Hello, and welcome to another edition of History After Hours podcast. My name is Kevin Pumphrey, and with me like normal is Mr. Ron Franklin and Mr. Jeremy Nixon. We are three history teachers from Lakeside High School in Hot Springs, Arkansas. We are recording this podcast on Thursday, January 14th, 2021, and of course we talk about the obvious. We are going to look and analyze the Capitol riots, the impeachment, and maybe what happens next. It was a hopefully an enlightening discussion. Hopefully you will get something useful out of this podcast. We definitely appreciate you listening to it. And with that said, I hope you enjoy the podcast. Okay, it is, what day is it? Thursday, January 14th, 2021. This is our post-election, post, ooh, post-capital in, in, insurgency. Capital riot. Post. Counting uh, of electoral votes. Yeah, post-electoral votes. Post-impeachment, second post impeachment. Post-impeachment post, yes. podcast. Okay, and the first podcast of 2021. Oh, yes. Welcome. So I want to do this one a little bit differently. Uh, what I'm going to do is I'm going to make a factual claim and then you guys can modify or agree with it or say whatever. And I'm doing this because there's so much misinformation. There's so many people that believe so many different things. And at least with these factual claims, you'll know where our starting point is and we can build from there. So factual claim number one in order to understand the rest of what we're going to talk about. Mm. Uh, factual claim. The 2020 presidential election was secure, fair, legal, with no significant amount of voter fraud, thereby stating that Joe Biden was fairly, freely elected president, Kamala Harris vice president. Do you guys have anything to say about what I just said was a factual statement? Nope, absolutely not. Okay. And by the way, that's a big deal, right? Because if I say that to certain people, that seems like the biggest lie ever. And so this, of course, is one of these things. You know people. I know people who think that this is absolutely incorrect, what you just said. Okay, so I want to explore that. How did that become a thing? How How did their belief in the absolute opposite of what you just said, how did that become? And And I wanted to think about the probability of what you said being wrong. Okay, so people go, well, it's possible. Well, hell, anything's possible, but what's probable? Is it, is it more probable that, that states miscounted or, or had some sort of uh, flaw in the system or that, it was, or that it was rigged or that it was manipulated in some way to make it, you know, that it was, it was, a, it was cheated you know, uh, votes were lost, votes were... Okay, so let's say that that was possible, but then the states themselves audited the system, and then those audits were audited, and then there were hand counts, and then there were court filings, and then all of these judges, Republican and Democrat, some appointed by Trump, by the way, and they all said there's no evidence. 50 or, what is it, about 60 cases that I think there were overall in multiple states, at multiple jurisdictions, at multiple levels, 
through uh, federal courts, district courts, all the way up to the Supreme Court, and all of them said, no, 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 no. Is it more probable that all of those people are lying or that the people who think this was stolen are incorrect? Yeah, I mean, it's more probable that the people who think it's stolen is incorrect. I mean, just looking from an independent judiciary position, um, I think we're up to, I think it's 64 and 1, um, Trump's legal team losing 64 cases um, in multiple states, in multiple venues, state courts, um, district courts, court of appeals, Supreme Court. Well, that, okay, but but that kind of, that's part of my point. When people, because yeah. again, one of the things I've heard people say and and people that I know have said, well, it should be investigated. It has been. Great. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's where I was going for when I hear, when I hear representatives and senators say it deserves to be investigated. I agree. I want fair and free elections too. I want to have confidence in the election. I want to have confidence in the results. I want to make sure that anything that was problematic was purged. I'm confident that that happened that it was investigated, that's what I mean, that it was looked into, that it was adjudicated, and that people, were there instances? Yes. Does that make it widespread? Absolutely not. And so, you know, so where do we go from here? If people just choose not to believe all of that, like that's that's the the next step, I guess. Well, I think this is also, and I think all of this is going to tie into what we're going to really talk about with the Capitol and the impeachments and all that. But you know, we, it's been a thing for a decade now. We've been talking about the postmodern, post-truth, both on the left and the right, saying things that are just ridiculous because it didn't fit either a political correctness narrative or now it doesn't fit another narrative. So it's, it seems like a lot of stuff came together to make this happen. And, and I want us to get, and we can even dive into more of, because I think we're going to get there automatically when we talk about the Capitol. I want to go ahead and, and mention truth claim number two, okay, which is this, because this has also been disputed, but, and we could, I don't know how to exactly say this, but the attack on the Capitol, the people that assembled and the people that actually broke in, the overwhelming, nearly all of them were Trump supporters that believe the election was fraudulent. Is that a factual statement to say that? I think so. I think so, too. And, and okay, so here's here's why I say that. This was not a spontaneous event. It was planned. There's more and more evidence showing that that's true there. And that's coming from from law. I mean, from uh, law enforcement agencies, the FBI released a statement. I think it was yesterday that said that there were lots of indications that this was and, and, you know, people were not just chatter online, which might be you could dismiss that as just bravado or, or, you know, people just venting, but showing even at that day, like maybe we talk about zip tie guy, or maybe we talk about the fact that they bring sledgehammers, or maybe we talk about the fact that there were people who had, you know, weaponry, uh, you know, uh, uh, gunfire abilities, Molotov cocktails. Like, do you just spontaneously bring those things to a protest, to a peaceful protest? How do I know that they were, or why, why do I believe I shouldn't say no, because, you know, things are being investigated. Why, why do I believe that they were Trump's people? W- were there some left wing people there? Were there some Antifa involved in the crowd? Were there instigators? That's possible. Again, I work on probabilities. It is possible that those people were there, but 
the the people who are leading the charge, the people who are who are rallying the troops. I mean, you've got the president himself, plus all of the people from you know Giuliani to Don Jr. to all you know, he you have all these people making commentary before and during, right, leading up to that day, and then during that day that morning, and then people who were there showing their faces. They're arresting people. They are bringing people in. You can see them. They're not ashamed of who they are. If I'm if I'm trying to disguise myself, if I'm an Antifa guy trying to disguise myself as a Trump supporter, am I going to show my face? That doesn't make sense because you're easily hunted down now. You're easily identified, and they are identifying people. Wow. So they're just it just seems to be like more and more. Now, again, I hear people go, well, it could be. It, it, yeah, I mean, I, I agree. It could be anything. What is it more likely? Is it more likely that that think about the thousands of people that would go to the president's rallies, right? Mm-hmm. They they would go there because they wanted to see him and they wanted to hear him and he they would respond. I want you to show up and come to my rally, and they would. This is another one of those times he made for more than a month before this event said, "Come to D.C. Come to we're going to we're going to do this. It's going to be to quote him. It's going to be wild." People came. Do you think that he would make a call like that and people wouldn't show up? It's it's uh, it's unlikely. Yeah, and I, I made this truth claim as number two, basically because immediately after this happened, it was already being spun as a lot of Antifa and, and a lot of liberals. And they did identify 12 people that could have been Antifa. Ten of them were identified within 24 hours as right-wing Trump supporters, because once again, everyone now leaves an internet trail. You can trace where the, what this act, you know, what they're posting online. You can, once you identify who it is, you can kind of get a, so. And it's not like there hadn't been a trial run for this before in Michigan. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And and so anyhow, so, so this was a, this were by and large, 99, 98% of the people there were supporters of Trump that believe that they were there. Now, of course, why they what they thought they were there for could vary. Some maybe wanted revolution. Some maybe wanted to just interfere with elections. Some maybe just wanted to watch. Uh, you know, we can we, we can talk about their the intentions of what the people who are actually there. This is probably a good a good point for us to point out that none of us are shills for the left or any particular ideology. Like we're all very moderately minded people here on this discussion. And we're so, hanging on to truth. I hope that's, right, that's my whole and goal. I, I don't care about. And, and realistically, I'm not criticizing the people who believe that what we're saying is inaccurate. What I'm hoping is that through real dialogue that they will see that they have been misled. That's what I'm hoping for. Now, again, nope. No, I, I don't know that, that our discussion is going to sway anybody's opinion, but it might like we're okay, but we don't have an agenda here. Like, like we should have, well, I really want to point that out. That's a great out, thing to point know? out is like, we're not making money off this, right? This <laughs> is not, we're not, we don't have an agenda. We don't even have to do this, but you know, we three like talking to each other. We all want to get to the bottom of this. And if, if somebody finds that we can be trustworthy and we're tell, trying to tell them the truth, then yeah, maybe they, they can find this podcast useful because it is hard to find people talking in a way that's balanced and fair. And I hope we are that way. I do want to make one more truth claim that, or a fact claim, I want to say, but this is a little more squirrely. Okay. Because there's that you could have caveats and all sorts of stuff with this one, but this is the last one before we really dive into the indictment, the impeachment, the capital talk. And it's this, 
Trump himself as president of the United States and his Republican allies and his lawyers knowingly spread a conspiracy of a rigged election that they knew was false. Now, this is really nearly unprovable in a way. It's one of those statements that, but it it really is the core of what we're seeing now. What do you, what's your instinct in that? Were there Republican leaders, or maybe Trump himself, did they really believe that the election was stolen? Why or why not? Maybe that's a better way instead of making a fact claim. What do y'all think about? Well, I think anybody can say, I believe something. The question is whether you have, if you have evidence to back it up. And I, I think at every turn, you've seen that there's, they're not. I mean, just approaching this from a legal perspective, when you go into court and you file a lawsuit, there has to be um, merit to your claim. There has to be evidence just to clear the threshold of not being dismissed. You have to come to court and say, there, here's my claim. Here's the evidence supporting that claim. Um, and 63 out of 64 times, judges tossed suits saying there was none. So my first <clears throat> response to that is if there's a, if there is evidence of voter fraud or widespread voter fraud, it has not been presented and they've had 60 something chances to do it. But it but but to go along with that, it has been investigated. Sure, you have to investigate it to see. A judge has to look at the uh the pleadings independently, you know, what they're getting into court with and and decide. There has to be review of it. And these, you know, I think Kevin mentioned it earlier, these are appointees from Republicans, some specifically Trump. Um, Bill Barr even came out. Yeah, and the Attorney General, that's a great example. Attorney General appointed by the president, the, uh, national security, I don't want to say NSA, but the national security infrastructure released a statement that it was the most secure election in history. So these are all headed by Republicans. If you break that down further onto a state level, Arizona and Georgia, mostly Republican, (laughs) um, the secretary of state of Georgia, Republican, the governor of Georgia, Republican. Um, and and from a, just a political science perspective, Republicans outperformed the president on the ticket. They got reelected. They gained seats in the House. Um, okay, that's an interesting point. And I've heard some people, throw, I want to hear you expand on that a little bit more. Is it the idea here that this is hypocritical and f- and the, I mean, the claim that it was rigged is, is, is fallible because if the election was rigged, yeah. how did these guys get... Elected. Yeah. If look and and bless him, I can't remember ticket. his name. Uh, a GOP representative from Texas. I wish I could remember his name. Said if we're objecting to these as being rigged, then I, you know my motion is that we not seat any members GOP or or Democrats from these states because if you say the election is rigged, it can't be just rigged at the top of the ticket. That means all of the elections were rigged because it's a singular ticket. Sure, singular ballot, and so a ballot. Yes. Yeah, I mean, but the the thing with it is, is the president underperformed the party. It's the president. And the GOP wouldn't have gained seats in the House. Democrats are going to have a majority of like three, I think, when when all is said and done. 
Um, they're going to lose the Senate, but they didn't lose it dramatically. It's going to be a 50-50 split, and you know that goes to, to whomever the vice president is to break it. But then back to the question then, why are they pushing that narrative then, and are they yeah. knowingly doing so? Are they knowingly sure. pushing that conspiracy? And if so... Why? I mean, do they know it's a conspiracy? Let's let's put it this way. Would it it be fair to say with the absence of evidence, with with the cases the way they did, with Bill Barr and other Republicans saying it was fair, with the disparity between Trump losing and other Republicans winning on the same ballot, with all that being said, is it fair to say that congressional leaders, Republican congressional leaders, kept this pushing this narrative because it was politically advantageous to them, or at least they thought all the way up to, to many of them going to make a stand the day of the Capitol rights. I mean, of course that was the whole point is they're going to, the Congress was doing a, basically a ceremonial task of counting the votes. And we had several Republicans, most notably, I guess, Ted Cruz, but others that were going to make a recommendation that they send it back to the States and that there was we need to look into this even more. A 10-day audit, yeah. A 10-day audit. So, but that's not a constitutional provision. Like, you can't... No. It was, you, that's, that was never something that was possible, right? So is it fair to no. say that that was completely for show and for political benefit? Oh, yes. It was completely completely political. It was a show. Um, Someone who's a constitutional lawyer like Cruz would know that that was impossible. Oh, he so absolutely he knows, and so does Hawley, who markets himself as that... Uh, look, this isn't difficult. The states control the elections. It's always been a state power. They certify, they send the results. Congress has a ceremonial duty to count, uh, over which the vice president presides. That's all it is. Um, but it's states, not like they have any sway or they can no. change the outcome. No. It's, it's determined here's, by that point, yeah, right? Yeah, here's how it works. You know, if they dispute how... Let me kind of walk through the process first. So if, if a slate of electors from a state is challenged, um, it's first challenged by uh, a House member, and it goes nowhere unless a senator also signs on with the objection. And if that happens, uh, then they go back to their respective chambers, they leave that joint session, uh, and they hear arguments about why the electors would be, the slate of electors would be disputed. And then they vote. Do you... Uh, do you sustain the objection, meaning you're going to throw out those slate of electors, or are you not? Um, and that has happened before. Uh, it's happened this time as well. Now, but, can I, let me ask, ask a question. Did the state that those disputed electors come from certify those electors to be? Well, that goes back to Reconstruction. What was it, right. 1876? Yes, 1876. What, there were three... There, was there three, were three states. And they sent two sets of electors yeah, because, because they couldn't. It was, there was so much voter fraud. Both the Democrat and Republican parties claimed they won. They sent both sets of electors. And then Congress really did have to deal. Right. And that's why they created a special election commission. Yeah. But that, that wasn't this case at but all. That's there was no right. disputed electors whatsoever because Republicans certified the results in Arizona and Georgia. Uh, so completely different. Uh, and that's why so, it was political so, uh, show. Up. It would have to be disputed at the state level first, and then it would be challenged when it got to Congress? Yeah, well, states ultimately have the As ability... of that? Yeah, states have the ability to choose and select their own electors. Um, Congress can't replace them or do away with them. There's no precedent for that except 1876 that I'm aware of. Um and the states didn't do what they were supposed to do and send one, one in set. In 1876. Right. Uh, so they sent both and said, here, Congress, you do it. Um, 
but that's not that's not remotely what happened, which is what's so infuriating about about the argument from Cruz and Holly. It's just disingenuous. It's it's nowhere parallel to that um, because the states don't didn't say our electors are in dispute, whereas in 1876 they did. States are the ones that get to make that call. Georgia made that call. If you actually believe in states' rights, respect it. Arizona made that call. If you're actually a supporter of states' rights, respect it. And there's your hypocrisy. Okay, so you have Republican leaders, and, and of course it really looks bad in a lot of the Capitol rots. This this uh, conspiracy they were kind of playing into for political reasons to hopefully get some something out of it, and then of course it ends in disaster. Well, hold on, let me. Wasn't it also about fundraising? Because there yes. was a Stop the Steal fundraising event that the president started almost immediately, right? And so as long as he can keep that narrative going, people were sending him money, even though they weren't actually using that money for. Right, that was even yeah, they, admitted by his people that yeah. it was that they're not using that money for what the people who were sending it thought they were using it for. Right, forty, I think forty percent. I may be off on that, but forty percent ish uh, was uh, to settle the campaign debts of of Trump's campaign because at the at that end of it, he got horribly outspent, um, and their infrastructure was sort of falling apart, and the campaign went into debt. Well, see, this is a great point that people don't realize is the money, and I'm glad you brought that up, and I want to get into that with, I think, a great reason why McConnell now is changing his tune because a lot of corporate money is disappearing. Mm-hmm. But let me back up real quick. So we so we know why some Republican leaders chose to buy into this conspiracy, especially if they were from states that definitely supported Trump. Another question. I have a list of everything Trump has claimed to be rigged from 2012, Romney winning the Emmys because the cell that's rigged, Ted Cruz winning the primary... I remember reading a story called The Boy Who Cried Wolf. Why wasn't it more effective? People know that he claims, and he even said in August of 2020, that if they, well, let me, I have the quote. It says, um, the only way they can take this election away from us is if it's rigged. Now, that's in August 2020. He said the same thing in 2015 and 2016. Right, because he thought he was going to lose. And then he said the Democratic, uh, when the Democrats took the House, that was rigged. And even the presidential debates between him and uh, Hillary, when they said Clinton won, he said that's rigged. So everything's rigged. So it wasn't a surprise to me at all. Nobody. We talked about this on previous podcasts that he was going to claim the election was rigged and he actually won the election. The bigger question to me is why did so many people buy it? Friends I have millions and 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 of course once again and i'm not saying of course the first thing people go well well, democrats dispute elections too okay look these are false equivalencies because we could talk about the president the challenger conceding and all that but this was a very unique situation where everyone knew what he was going to do he did it even before it happened and yet so many millions of people bought into it what is the reason for that? Because that's something I really don't have an answer to other than the cult of personality, the Trumpians that believe everything he says is actually true. And there's a big, well, you know, invisible it does, hand. It's a Does perfect it, storm, honestly. Don't, don't you think that people's sense of reality is oftentimes based in what is being said or promoted by people they trust? Sure. So if you hear the the leadership politically saying this, if your friends are saying this, if the news channel you're 
watching says this, and you trust all of those people, and you've been you've been pushed over years worth of time to distrust anybody who is saying anything opposite, you can see how this has been a slow work in progress. This isn't some sudden like that's and that's I think how this is the narrative has been crafted over a long time through repetition, through reinforcement. You say something long enough, it becomes truth. And then people, again, living in an echo chamber, and I'm not, listen, I'm not blaming people for that happening to them. I'm saying I think it's a product of a circumstance. And, And I get why people are mad, because they truly, again, the people I know that are mad about this, really, really, really believe that that the, the system is against him and it always has been and that liberals are trying to destroy the country and that and that China is out there about to take over. I mean, all of those, it's like the it's conspiracy theory has become has become the reality for so many folks. And that's that that makes me sad. It what what as people who seek out truth, as we do, and we try to help people see. There are multiple sides to every story. That is absolutely true. But it doesn't, that's why I'm going back to a while ago. What's more probably true? Is it the entire government? Is it the entire system is is against this one person? Is everybody lying except this one man and the people that he's chosen to surround himself with who are basically sycophants and, and hangers on at this point who are making money off of his showmanship? I, I, I see his appeal to people who feel disaffected. I see his appeal to people who feel that they've been cheated in some way, maybe. And he, and he says things that, you know, I, I, I want somebody to do something. I'm tired of being run over. I, I can see why you might drift towards his way of thinking, but it doesn't help anything for us to just be so angry at each other that we're, that we absolutely refuse to listen to credible, logical, rational, reasonable people who are saying, Look, here's how you, here's how it is that you're wrong, but that makes people mad too. We're we're at that point where we're at this flashpoint, and I think last Wednesday was the the evidence of that. People have good people have been pushed so far by an ideology that they're willing to act upon that. That doesn't mean that everybody who supports Trump or who has voted for Trump is like that. That is not what I'm saying at all. And you made this point earlier when you and I were talking about that. Mm. Millions of people voted for this man. I'm related to some who did. I get that. I can see why, especially if you're a one-issue voter, go down that path. But then... A small percentage would actually be willing to go to D.C. And then even a tiny percentage of that group would actually be willing to, to break into the Capitol. But it is being reinforced by the entire group to some degree. And and I think, is it fair to say this then, since our conversation, Trump, his Republican enablers, knowingly spread a conspiracy for political gain. But the sad part is that millions of followers were duped in a way to believing this is fact. And, and it got some people so crazy they actually took to the streets. and Yeah, but, the, but, but then you get... People who, when, when you see people who had previously been, and again, I'm thinking about from a leadership position, who look at the situation now, especially after the, the insurgency at the Capitol, and they go, look, uh, I was wrong. I can't follow this. He, I, I can't be part of this anymore. And, they're, and they walk away from it, whether it's Pence or whether it's McConnell or whether it's Graham or whomever it is, you know, uh, assassin. Is he, is, is he, where's he, is he Pennsylvania? No. No, um, Indiana, maybe? No, I think he's Nebraska. Oh, okay, I, I apologize for it, but okay. So, uh, but so many that have have walked away in the house. Liz Cheney the other day, and then people go, "Well, they're part of the deep state." No, they're not. 
Like they're, they're, these are people who played a political game and now they see the end of the road and they have switched gears because it's the right thing to do. It honestly should have been the thing that they did before, in my opinion, but they made the choice that they made. Some are sticking with it, but those that ha- that bounce off now and go, nope, that's it, we're done. But now those people become the bad guys, quote unquote, and right, hang yeah. Mike Pence? Are hang you serious? Mike Pence, yeah. So, so now let's get into this, okay? So we don't have to go through play-by-play what happened on last Wednesday when the Capitol was broken into, and, and five people, I believe, at this point have died from that uh, riot. Obviously, it was condemned pretty much on all sides. Um, obviously, we would like some condemning sooner and maybe even more harsh than uh, we saw. I also want uh, answers as to why the capital was not as guarded as maybe appropriately as it should be. But I want to get into this, and this will be a lot for Nixon, too. Let's talk about the actual Trump rally that he decided to hold a couple hours before the vote. Gearing up for this election, he has now been impeached after the fact uh, yesterday on another historic day where a president's been impeached twice now. So he was impeached yesterday, which was Wednesday, January 13th. For the official impeachment was incitement to insurrection. Insurrection. So let's, I, I want you to kind of help walk people through what that means legally. And I know impeachment is a political mm-hmm. tool. We don't have to talk about legally, but talk to, and we don't have to go back to the history, although I guess that does matter in a court of law context and whatnot. But let's just talk about what happened at the, at the Trump rally. And then of course them going over there and all that. What's your take on, on the whole thing and the impeachment? Uh, okay. Well, let's start with the rally. Um, I mean, it was obviously planned. You talked about that. Um, he asked them to be there. And so, look, when we're talking about legal standards, you know, incitement of violence is not protected speech. And that's really what this is going to come down to. Um, and, you know, the, it's Brandenburg, the Brandenburg wow, test. Yeah. I mean, that's that's what it is. And it's, is it directed to incite violence? And the second part, is it likely to produce imminent lawlessness? And so to me, and of course, this is my opinion only, when you when you have someone who says, let's walk down to the Capitol, that's a direction, right? You're giving a directive. Um, that doesn't mean it's necessarily directive for violence, but was it likely to incite lawlessness? I think that's a question that can be debated. But, but leading up to that, he had people who were on the stage who said... Sure trial by combat. Yeah. And Mo Brooks said, you know, we're going to kick some ass. Uh, so yeah, under the totality, I think, and you know, there've been a lot of prosecutors on, on the air in the last you know week or so uh, who've made strong cases for why it could be. Is it enough to say this? Okay. So first of all, just ha- Trump's decision to have the rally right down the street. Yeah. I mean, it's a good long walk, but still right there yeah. a couple hours before that's one thing right there that, but well, even think about the branding on that too. The save America rally, save, save us yeah. from what the constitution, because what was going on in Washington that day was constitutionally mandated. Yeah. So he, here's a, a question. Would this work in a court of law stating that without the Trump rally and that speech on that day, 
there would not have been, it would be very unlikely for there to have been a riot at the Capitol. Yeah, I mean, you're talking about proximate cause, like what we always call but for causation, you know, but for his actions, it wouldn't, you wouldn't have the end result. Um, and yeah, I mean, personally, again, in my opinion, I firmly believe that. Um, and I think under the Brandenburg test, I, I think he loses. Um, that's why you had so many people call it insurrection and sedition. Um, you know, I'm, I've tried to stay clear of those terms, but I definitely think it crossed the line over Brandenburg. What, okay, so explain that. You've said that three times. I don't know what that is. Yeah, well, the, that's the... 68, 16... Yeah, I think 69, maybe. Hmm, yeah, I think 68, uh, 69. But it's... Let me look it up. Um, basically, it. what it says is the Supreme Court t- did a two-part test uh, for determining uh, whether or not the speech could be punished for inciting violence. 69, yeah. Um, and so the two-part test is is basically... Uh, the idea that are you directing them uh, toward violent contact, uh, conduct and then uh, is is what you're saying likely to produce violent conduct? Okay, well you, okay so you did explain that a while ago. I just didn't. You just didn't, didn't yeah. That. Well, and it's kind of like, you know, how I teach it in Gov is like if I'm at a rally and it's peaceful, but I take a megaphone and I say, look at that police car over there. Wouldn't it send a message to the police if we were to throw a brick through the window? Am I telling them to throw the brick through the window? No. Um, Are they more likely to throw the brick through the window since I said that? Possibly. If I just said that out of nowhere... They might be looking at me like, uh, you're crazy. This was a peaceful protest. But if I've spent hours working them up, working them up, and then, then I say that. And that's why Brandenburg is so tricky because it's where does that line, where is it drawn? And it's a hard thing for, for everybody to draw, lawyers, judges. Um, but for me, he, he crossed it. He definitely directed them to go to the Capitol. And then fight like hell, I believe was kick some ass. I mean, with Mo Brooks. <laughs> so, yeah, I, you know, and okay. So I want to address this really briefly. I don't really want to address this at all because I want to move on to something else. But a lot of spin happened immediately, c- trying to do an equivalency between what happened at the Capitol with Trump supporters versus the looting that took place in several cities and state capitals by Black Lives Matter protesting. And obviously, there are some similarities here. Public buildings, looting, burn, you know, just the destruction, the violence, and whatever. But I want to make sure, and I think we all agree that those are false equivalencies in terms of insurrection, trying to overthrow democracy itself, especially when you have the, you know, people lose fact. I get that the Black Lives Matter protest, and look, the left, I think, one of their big faults was not calling out strongly enough some of the looting and violence that was occurring. That was a problem with the left during those protests. But to to show up at the Capitol and break in during a joint session of Congress with the vice president on the day of that they're certifying the election, the one of the most significant, I mean, look, free and fair elections is all we got. You know, it's 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 trusting your government, free and fair elections. There's only a few things that hold this all together. To show up on that specific day and to break in, I think you, it's. I don't even know why people make the, that comparison. 
and, and well, I know why they want to spin things. I, I just wanted to mention that because immediately after this, you saw that spinning going on. Well, what about the protest earlier in the summer? And I just want to point out, I mean, you guys can jump in if you don't agree with me, but I think those are such false equivalencies, even though there are some similarities. I think the differences way outweigh even our time to really go into the, but I just want to acknowledge it that a lot of people think I didn't hear this in the summer when all this was going on. Well, you did hear it, but it wasn't as, it wasn't as, it wasn't as widely broadcast, I don't think. And part, uh, and I, and I don't know why. Maybe is because there, you didn't there, have the president. There, there is, well, no, I'm saying there is bias in the media and I get that that's a real thing. Uh, but there were people who did come out and say, we, we can't have this kind of violence. There were, there were leaders, especially in the local areas where they were saying, we need to calm this down. We can't do that. But to, but to suggest that, that, and again, don't mistake what I'm saying here. I'm not supporting looting by saying this. Um, when you have thousands and thousands and thousands of protesters who are peacefully marching through the streets and then the night falls and you have a new group of people, maybe who had been merged into that group to begin with, who really starts the violent activities because they are seeking some sort of personal vendetta to, you know, maybe there's a revenge mindedness to it. Maybe there's just, maybe it's opportunism or whatever it happens to be. And you can, and I heard people try to, I did hear people try to spin that and go, well, you know, they're just frustrated and they're taking their stuff out. Okay. Well, that's, that's a whole different conversation, but what they were not trying to do at that case or in those cases was to stop democracy in its tracks. Right. So I, I agree yeah. with what you just said. And I think it also makes a difference, obviously, that the president was really leading this protest, whereas the Black Lives Movement, there wasn't any political leaders, well, per se. Yeah, well, okay, but again, what's the, what's the root, of, if we're going to look at the protest themselves, what's the root of the protest? To protest for more uh, equality in the treatment under the law, uh, you know, according to the, the policing processes and all that. And we know that there have been uh, problems in, in hot spots around the country, especially where people don't feel that the law enforcement is there to serve and protect. I mean, that's those are things that we have to deal with on a social level and, and so socioeconomic the and are completely different. Yeah, yeah, so you're not, but you're right. So do do you want to change laws to make it to make people feel more safe? Sure, and I think maybe in some way we think that but but the protests at the Capitol may have said, well, we feel that that this was that the system wasn't working right. So I mean, you can make that equivalency, even though that's not even a fair. A comparison because the the root of coming to washington dc on on the 6th on january 6th was to stop what was going on to ensure that the president could or to try to ensure that the president could remain in the job and 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 not let joe biden take over as president when the when the 20th comes and so it's i mean it's, so it's a different the ultimate purpose is different in why they were even assembling to begin with really Right, but that goes back to what we were talking about earlier. Like, how does this happen? It happens because you have a public who, when they're told something about how their government works, they don't know that that's not accurate. You've got what they call in political science, in addition to this bubble, the echo chamber that we create with our own chosen news, you have this hypodermic theory that says uh, that certain pieces of news act as like a shot, like an injection, um, that like go to the brain immediately and then that kind of bounces off your echo chamber and you react to it. And I think they're, I think it's a, it's a concerted effort to capitalize on all of those things. Um, 
uninformed uh, voters, uninformed uh, people on, about civic education, how the government's run, and the ability to uh, mobilize mass, and we've talked about this before too, mass amounts of people through social media unchecked. And well, I think to, it was a perfect... To back up what you said there, there were news agencies on the ground sure. during the protest part before even the violent aspects began. And they were asking people, what do you, what do you, why are you here today? What are you hoping to achieve? And every one of them echoed what the president was saying. We're here to stop the election. We're here to stop. It was rigged. It's false. And, and they said Mike Pence should do his job and, and right. stop this. Like, cause they, cause they believe, I'm, I'm backing up what you said. Yeah. They believe because, well, who told them that? Right. Who told them that he had the power to stop that? Mike Pence should do the right thing for our country. He did. He, he presided over he the did. certification of the electors. Yeah. and Which was his responsibility. He didn't have any other choice. Yeah. And, and he told that to the president. Right. Which, who immediately turned on him. Sure. And then, okay, so, you know, it's a pattern. Right? That's what started with. This is a pattern. Yeah, you know, get right. And by the way, you might have forgotten this, some of you, but, you know, Trump in the campaign of 2016 was sued for incitement. Uh, or it, what it was, whatever it's called, uh, not insurrection, but to riot. Yeah. Because at one of his rallies, one of his, he got people kind of amped up and he was telling, uh, he said several times to get them out of here, talking to the protesters at his rallies, if y'all remember that. And he actually got sued. Now that, he was found not guilty because as they, as he, even though he was saying, get them out of here, he said, but don't hurt them. Don't hurt. He said that a couple of times and that kind of got him out of that. But yeah, I mean, once again, we've talked so many times about Trump just, my shock is always like, how did you not see this coming? And I think we all said this. We're we're shocked but not surprised. Well, I, yeah. I said I said that I'm sad and I'm <laughs> but upset, but I'm not necessarily surprised, right? I, it's not if you have been paying attention, you knew this was a possibility. And if you're in law enforcement, especially at the highest levels, you knew that it was even likely. Yeah. Well, and they and made, there are internal memos and they even out about noted, that didn't, they didn't, isn't there proof now that they notified the Capitol police yeah. the day before at least? Yeah. And it goes back even further than that. The, the mayor of, of Washington DC, you know, they'd been hearing chatter, seeing social media posts and whatnot. And they requested a week ahead of time that the national guard uh, be activated. Um, and the response was, we don't like the optics of, National Guard mm-hmm. troops in the Capitol or on this the time? steps. And this that's, time? yes, that's been pointed out roundly as hypocrisy, um, given how other federal properties in Congress and Supreme Court in past instances were protected by the National Guard. So, uh, look, there's a, there's a trail here, and I think that the more we learn about it, the more we're going to see that requests were ignored uh, intentionally, but again, that's my... What do you think that we could do as educators to help people to take, first of all, notch down the rhetoric? Common, not, I don't, leaders are going to do what they do. We, we're not going to have any impact on them, I'm sure. But, but people that we can associate with, what could we do at the local level perhaps even? And I'm not talking about here in the classroom necessarily. I mean just as, as citizens, individual human beings who, who do think more moderately and more perhaps less... Uh, indoctrinated by certain, you know, uh, uh, whether it's media or social media or whatever, they, uh, what could we do to help people go? Look, we, let's converse. If we, you know what, here's here's and have a and have a, a dialogue that says here's like I want to be able to show people. I want to enlighten them on this without seeming like I'm a jerk or I'm or I'm 
you know, I don't want people to be angry while we're trying to discuss what really happened. Yeah, it's a two-way street there, right? It's it's because yeah. we have to be honest too, and that's sometimes difficult. But I, you know, I, I think well, I don't we, think I don't think any of us shy away from the truth, and just in case right. it might hurt somebody's feelings. But I'm saying that, you know, but people are so inflamed. Yeah. What's the What do you think is the best way to help just to keep pushing that message of look here's 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 really what it is. Look at it this way. Plus, and also pushing the message that it's okay to disagree. It's okay. You don't have to get mad just because you believe that doesn't mean you're a horrible person. We, we think politics are now what people, who people are and it's a belief system. It's not, you know, you can disagree and you can, you know, talk about whatever. I mean, uh, my big fear of course is sharing the same reality because you do have, if, if evidence doesn't matter, then what conversation can you really have? Because I think there's going to be a lot of people that you just have to walk away from because if they don't accept reality and evidence, then what evidence can you present? Does this go back to our postmodern conversation that we had a couple of podcasts Mm -hmm. ago where people are like, I don't believe in science. Well, science is all about proving through evidence. And then it goes back to what I said. Well, well, no, what you said about the, the, the election process that they said was rigged. There's no evidence that that's true. And, and people have dug for it. Lots of different groups. I mean, government agencies from state level all the way up through the federal level have looked into this deeply. And so it really bothers me that certain congressmen and Republicans will continue to say, well, it deserves to be looked at. It should be looked at. It, it was. And so where, when are they going to stop that messaging, you think? Um, I, I honestly don't know uh, when they're going to stop that messaging. I wish they would. Um, and I think that's probably going to, the but answer to that But they're misleading be, people. Oh, yeah, absolutely. They're misleading people. And I think they're n- doing it knowingly. Um, I think that that will end depending, the end of that is dependent upon how impeachment ends. Honestly, let me mention this and I want to get y'all's take on this. So this is Thursday. Yesterday, the president released a speech that I found. It was a great speech. He, he I, and I understand he was reading off the teleprompter. Somebody wrote it for him, but he basically condemned the violence. He basically threw a lot of his supporters under the bus. So what he had, his rhetoric had been for the past months, he completely changed. Now, I'm not saying he believes it, but he basically said everything you need to say as president. Stuff I wish he would have been saying all along. And what's unique about this time is because he is banned from most social, nearly all social media platforms, a lot of times he gives good, he would give a good speech, but then he would ruin it a couple hours later with a a rogue tweet that kind of undid what he said. But this time that didn't happen. Now I'm not saying that he's really convincing a lot of Republicans that he's a changed man, but is true or false? He gave that speech for an audience of one, Mitch McConnell. Do you think that's why? Because, you know, look, he could have given that speech the day of the Capitol attacks. He could have gave it the day after. It was a week, and it was right after his impeachment Here, that he, he actually gave the speech. Was it politically motivated to try to convince Maybe, McConnell but it's not going to have much, it's not going to make much of a difference when Mitch McConnell is no longer the person who decides what comes to the Senate floor. But doesn't it give well, him an out a little bit? It's like, okay, we'll see, he did say it. But it does Maybe. matter for impeachment because the Senate has to hold a trial now. It doesn't matter if he's if it happens while he's president or whether it's after he's president. They have to hold the trial. And the reason it, it potentially matters is because if they vote to convict, 
um, even though he's no longer president and he's not going to be removed, the other power the Senate has is to prohibit him from running for federal office. And if the GOP wants to divorce themselves from Donald Trump, here's the chance. They can convict him and prohibit him from holding federal office. Well, uh, okay, here's here's a counterpoint question. I'm not I'm not challenging what you said, but I wonder if people who have presidential aspirations for 2024 who want to get out from under his shadow because if he runs again, he might just knock them out of a primary. People like Ted Cruz or Josh Hawley or Tom Cotton or you know throw other people out there. Uh, I don't know if Rubio will run again, but you know perhaps. But doesn't wouldn't they somehow secretly support that if they want? to really have a shot at that because if he runs again according to didn't you didn't you uh Kevin didn't you tell me that the latest polling is that he still has like a 40% 40% front if, runner for, for yeah for yeah. Republicans well see that's the thing and see that's my flip side like they can't secretly support it they have to vote yeah they have to vote well, no, I mean, and, but, and but I wonder but if that's political they would voice that now I mean I know they're going to have to vote but uh, but maybe they're still gauging I think they all are looking around at the and you know doing the litmus test to figure out what's going on but I think some well, okay, so there was a Republican yesterday in the House that surprisingly voted to impeach. He was a Republican congressman from South Carolina. Can't remember his name, but he was the one surprise that no one expected. And they actually applauded when he, he voted. But someone said, I heard a comment say, well, he's going to lose the next election. That was political suicide right there. It's a shame, but he, he had to vote with his conscience. But so I'm wondering. But he's if got two more years to figure that out. Right. Mm-hmm. So I just a lot of these people, like McConnell had just been reelected. So yeah, he's, he's got, got six. he's probably on the way. <laughs> but a lot of people that don't want to vote to impeach because they know that that ends their political career as of now. Now, once again, Trump could lose steam. There could yeah, still yeah, be things so happen. That's, but OK, that's that's interesting, though, because it, it, how can it be political suicide if you, the people at the top of the system, could actually control the narrative by divorcing yourself from Trumpism? And that's what they're doing. They're trying to figure the votes. Yeah, and they're in back rooms right now, going, "Okay, if you vote, you vote." (laughs) Oh, they're doing the math. Yeah, I mean, I think the people who have political aspirations that want to keep the expanded Trump base in the party are going to really hope they don't have to vote to impeach, but really hope he gets impeached. Can't you appeal to them in a different way? I I don't know. Well, they were toying. Does it have to be this way? Does it have to be inflammatory? Does it have to be? you know, a uh, 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 culture war based, you know, which is, which is interesting because they'll use that as a, as attack against the left, but then they'll do the same thing. Well, you know, when there was some, there's some crossover between um, people who supported Bernie and people who supported Trump. So viably, I do think there's another way to reach out to them other than <laughs> that. And just as a thought, wouldn't it make a difference too for a lot of people if the moderate Democrats really distanced themselves from the ultra progressives who, who at one time looked poised to really be a, a, a dom or a more dominant force. Don't you think that they need to kind of edge away from that a little bit too, in this new administration and the new sort of Senate proceedings? Yeah. I mean, the Democrats nothing, nothing against progressive people. I'm just saying it, it. I'm just thinking, I'm trying to think about it. if we're trying to, if we're trying to alter the narrative and we're trying to tone things down, don't you have to? Don't we all have to kind of squeeze towards the middle and get away from that inflammatory rhetoric on both ends? Yeah, I think so. And the Democrats are going to have to walk a tightrope because even though they're going to control both chambers, it's 
it's deadlocked. It's 50-50. And so you do have Democrats like Joe Manchin, uh, who's very much not a progressive Democrat, who will have the ability to block a lot of progressive legislation on. And so, and the house majority is not that big for the Democrats. So yeah, I really do think they're going to have to go in looking at an eye toward moderation and that may anger the further left. And you know, that's going to be, it could be a real challenge for the Democrats to get anything done. And if they don't get anything done, I think that's, that's going to be really bad for them come 2022. So, well, as a U.S. history teacher, I do want to just mention again that, you know, President Trump was the first president ever elected without any military or political experience holding public office. He's now the first president to be impeached twice in one term. He's the first president since like Herbert Hoover to lose the presidency and both houses of Congress in one term. It seems like if if the Republicans ever wanted to figure out a way out of this Trumpism land that we find ourselves in, this would be the moment. Because because if you don't, in four years that might be the the you know the hundred percent of the party might be Trumpism instead of forty percent or fifty percent. It could go. It's I think what's going to be interesting is watching the GOP deal with these next year are are they going to split are they going to you know what i was thinking while just and it just kind of occurred to me while you were talking i'm envisioning other stories from history and in other times when there was such polarization and i think about uh french revolution sort of moment where you have this response that says we must purge all things that aren't our exact way from the system and they and it was and it really did promote violence and 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 and, you know, no moderation, you're either with us or against us, death to traitors and that kind of stuff. And, and you have that moment of, but then it turns on itself. And that's why the whole thing ended up falling apart. Robespierre and Dayton and those guys, the reign of terror moment. And I'm not saying we're in a reign of terror moment. Don't, don't go, don't, don't write letters. Uh, but nobody but, writes but, letters. But, anymore. but, but, I, but, <laughs> <laughs> but what I mean by that is, is this, as soon as Lindsey Graham didn't support Trump as soon as Pence didn't support what the president was trying to do people and I did you see the people in the airport like Lindsey Graham you're a traitor yeah. blah 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 and then you know or again I go back to the hang Mike Pence thing mm-hmm. like this the, if you don't turn down that rhetoric if you and I'm talking about both sides left and right if you don't turn that down and get away from people who are inflamed who are incensed who want to drag other people into that vortex like this has the the the, the darkness is only beginning if we're not careful and there's lots of historical precedents to back that up. It's interesting that Lindsey Graham came out yesterday and s- about Trump's speech that he gave yesterday that was really good. He said, see, you know, when push comes to shove, he will eventually do the right thing. And I'm just like, wow, we're back there again. But let, let me just, let's end on something good. Um, and I don't know what that is at the moment, but <laughs> I want us to project. And I don't want us to predict the future of Trump or the GOP or the Republic. In this last section just this last few minutes, what are some good things that could come out of all of this mess that you foresee? Is there some silver lining maybe on a, the last four or five years of politics? Maybe just, uh, just and to tie back into to the conversation, but we hadn't touched on this, but I want to weave it in. A better understanding of how the Constitution works, about how our government works, about how, how your, what your civil responsibilities are and are not, you know, what you can and can't do. 
and, and in tie back in specifically, and I, Nixon, I want you to hit on, hit on this. I've heard a lot of people say since there was this banning from the social media platforms for the president, it's it, it's a or, or or maybe others like seventy thousand people. I think have been you know kicked off Twitter for violent things that yeah, they've been saying. Q-Lines. Okay, so but they go, oh, that's a violation of my First Amendment rights. Tell me why that's not. Tell you why it's not a violation of the First Amendment yeah. rights. Yeah, why, why is it that a private company like Twitter can kick people off that platform and it not be a violation? I mean, I know it's not, but I want you to tell me why it's not. Yeah, well, the First Amendment only extends to the government. So it literally starts out, Congress shall make no law. So what that's saying is the government, government restrictions on speech are or can be problematic. Um, because Twitter is not the government, because Facebook is not the government, because um, whatever social media you, you want to insert into that blank is not the government, they can do whatever they'd like as far as as far as allowing you to access their platform. That's the short version. And isn't it interesting that people coming out to argue this are in large part Republicans who have historically defended private companies' right to do what they want. Just like things have yeah, changed. Yeah, like refuse to bake wedding cakes. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh. And the libertarians' heads right. are spinning. I you know, because they're, uh, yeah, uh, it's going to be interesting. And, and look, this is one of our biggest obstacles, I think, is facts, reality. And I think me and you were having a conversation about uh, you can't, you know, you, it's hard to convince anybody to trust media of any sort, of any network, because they're all trying to make money. You might can trust a podcast like this that didn't make money and didn't have to do this. They're just trying to figure out truth, but not many people might hear it because it's not as sensational. We're not trying to do go hyperbolic on everybody. And we don't have corporate sponsors. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, so how do, how do we figure out a way forward with a shared reality? And my hope, and the only really way I see it, of course, education, and all of that is very important. But, and this probably won't happen, it's a pop dream, but political leaders standing up. I, I go back to John McCain when the woman at his town hall said Obama was a Muslim and I can't believe, and he just grabbed the mic from her and said, no, ma'am. Now, I'm not saying everything he said was good, but what I'm saying is he immediately said, even though it, it was one of his supporters, and even though politically it could help him, you could see, maybe, I'm not saying for sure, but you could see somebody like Trump just sitting back and letting her go. You know, maybe he immediately took the mic and said, that took political courage. And once again, I'm not a huge, I've never been a huge Romney supporter, although, believe me, there's times where I'm like, it took a lot of political courage for him to impeach Trump on the first go around. I think that's what we need. We need to elect people maybe get the corporate money out of it, but we got to elect politicians that are willing to tell their people, even if it politically hurts them, that this is not reality. Yeah. You know, what is right. Um, Romney did that the other day in the airport. He got harassed by someone after, yeah, after uh, he condemned the president and, you know, inciting violence. And uh, he flat out corrected him in the airport too. Um, And so I give him, I give him a lot of credit for that, but to the John McCain, um, I play that clip and I play his uh, concession speech in in AP Gov. Breath of fresh air. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, back in the day when peaceful transition of power and words mattered and country over party. Um, and and I, I agree, we need to get back to it. Um, 
and it, like you said earlier, it's not like Democrats have never contested an election. We don't have to go back that far. Al Gore, uh, but when the Supreme Court issued their decision, he came out that day and gave a speech and said, George Bush is president and it's time to move on. Yep. We need that. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I think unless we radically somehow change our, our news system or social media, we just got to have leaders. We have to have leadership that's honest. Um, and then, of course, we have to have teachers to educate the public so they can scrutinize what's reality as well. I think those are the two stepping stones. Lately, I've always started off whatever conversation I'm having with anybody I'm having with, weirdly, the Constitution. Because what I found is everybody at least thinks or in theory says that they support the Constitution. Okay, so if we both agree that we support the Constitution, let's start with what the Constitution says. And that's how I've been going. Mm. I don't know if that's working for working out really or not, but that's why I've been You've going. You've become an originalist. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, that that's a change then. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I think that was a good discussion. Uh, we have the inauguration coming up, and we're going to do a podcast after that. So we'll see you next time.